Welcome to the Notable Perspectives podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Neinstein, a practicing physician and the chief medical officer at Notable, the company on a mission to simplify and optimize healthcare for humanity. Join me as we explore how to make healthcare more accessible, affordable, efficient, and compassionate. In each episode, we dive into a unique aspect of the digital health landscape, featuring interviews with healthcare leaders and other innovators or experts. Our aim is to provide our listeners with thought-provoking content by asking tough questions and highlighting how digital technology has the potential to reinvent our healthcare system. Today, we're sitting down with Dr. Patrick McGill, Executive Vice President and Chief Transformation Officer at Community Health Network. In this role, Dr. McGill is responsible for population health management, value-based care, envisioning data-enabled strategies, overseeing information technology and digital transformation, and leading communities' effort to use analytics to drive transformation. We definitely have a lot to talk about. So Patrick, thank you for joining me today. Happy to be here. So let's dive right in. Uh, Healthcare organizations are often thought of as slow moving and risk averse. From uh, what I've gotten to know of you, I get the sense that you are not that way and that status quo is unacceptable for you. Uh, So what are the key leadership qualities that are required to bring that kind of uh, perspective and mindset to a healthcare organization? Yeah, that's a great question. So I often tell, you know, tell my CEO or my CEO tells me, look, if you're not making people uncomfortable, you're not transforming anything. And so my job every day is to get up and think about how we're going to drive change. How are things going to be different? What are we going to do differently today that we didn't do yesterday? Whether that's technology, whether that's people, whether that's how we get paid, whether that's, you know, how we take care of patients. And so I think one of those leadership qualities is you've got to have courage. You'll often hear me talk about you've got to have courage to either take a risk, put yourself out there, put the organization out there. Courage is one of the one of the biggest ones. The other one you got to have got to have vision, right? And I often tell people that clarity is compassionate. So when you're trying to lead people, oftentimes they want to do the right thing. They want to come to work. Mm-hmm. They're engaged. Most people are in healthcare for for the altruistic reasons. They want to make people better. They want to drive um, you know health and wellness. And so being clear on expectations of where we want to go and what we want to do is often. Um, I, I think it's compassionate because it helps helps people in their day-to-day work. In a lot of the meetings that I lead, we do something at the beginning of the meeting called Connect a Purpose. And so with that Connect a Purpose, it's it's the opportunity for people to tell a story, mm-hmm. maybe how they were impacted by the healthcare mm-hmm. system, maybe a family member. Really, when you deal with a lot of technology, IT folks, mm-hmm. analytics, when they're separated from the bedside, Mm-hmm. it's hard for them to stay connected to the mission and the vision. And so we always lead with this connect a purpose to say, how how's the work that you're doing impacting people's lives? It's easy for yeah. us, right? Yeah. We get to lay hands on people. Yeah. So we're, we're connected, connected to that. But for people that are not, you know, they often lose that perspective. Yeah, that's a great way to uh, achieve that. So, so speaking of clarity, how does Community Health Network think about identifying and prioritizing your transformation initiatives and, and how do you make that clear yeah. uh, for your organization? Yeah, we often start with, you know, obviously talking to the business, the clinical or business leaders, and we go in and say, what problem are you trying to solve? And then we think about, you know, how can technology do that? Sometimes problems have to be solved with people. How do we do things differently? So it's really tell me what problems you're trying to solve and then let us be part of the solution, bringing solutions again, whether it's technology or other 
other aspects. So that's the first way. Certainly, we have strategic initiatives, strategic you know things. How can we reduce costs? How can we do more with with fewer people that are hard to recruit and find? And so it's really you know kind of taking the strategic objectives and initiatives, but but really listening to the people that are doing the work every day to say what problems are you having and mm-hmm. how can we solve them. Mm-hmm. Is there a specific initiative you can call out that, you know, maybe in the, over the last year or two that you're you're most proud of in the organization? Yeah, we often think about uh, the patient journey. And, and another thing you'll hear me talk about quite frequently is that we have to think horizontally. Mm-hmm. Healthcare specifically is often a lot of vertical thinking. You're in a service line or a product line or you're in the hospital or you're in a clinic. And so we, we, and I feel like my job as the transformation officer is to force people to think horizontally because that's how people experience yeah. us. They come into the system for, for, to solve a problem or, or whatnot. And so I'm really, I think I'm one of the things I'm most proud of is really kind of changing uh, how we measure that patient experience. And through some partnerships that we have, you know, we can really start to get granular on how people, different segments are experiencing the healthcare system. Mm-hmm. This is another uh, aspect I always tell because I think it really shows some of the innovative ways that to think uh, access. So everybody you talk to has challenges with access. One of the things we started to do was measuring access. So we were looking at your typical things, third next available appointment, or how long did it take from the time your appointment was scheduled to that you actually had the appointment. What we weren't taking into account is did that appointment meet your needs as a patient? Yeah. And so now our measure for access is through a survey where patients are asked, did the appointment you received meet your needs? Yes or no? If the answer is no, then it asks some additional questions so that we can learn and, and change. But it's really putting the patient at the center. Yeah. It's not about third next available. It's not about how long did it take. It's did that appointment meet your needs? Yeah. Because that's what we ultimately want to do. I, I love that example because I think people often sort of mistakenly think that digital is about an app, right? Or about the right. technology. But but what you're bringing to life is that it's about using data to illuminate the patient, in our case, the patient, or but the customer or the patient's experience, and then use that data to help make you better and, and iterate. Right. And I think people lose sight of that too often. Right. And I, you know, I think the other thing is to be able to improve that experience or to, to improve the, um, do we meet your needs? That's not just a technology solution, but there's tech solutions in there. But there's people solutions, there's workflow, there's there's how we how we do scheduling and, mm-hmm. and how people are are entered into the system. You know, there's all of these other things that really drive to that North Star of did you get the appointment that you needed? Did it meet mm-hmm. your needs? Right. So then everyone's moving towards that common North right. Star goal. Right. Yeah. And we didn't start out as a as a as a tech initiative or an IT or yeah. transformation. It was what problem we were trying to solve. We're trying to meet the needs of people. Yeah, patients. The other, I mean, the other piece in what you mentioned that I hear so often from people is that as you go on your transformation journey, that the metrics that you started with are not the metrics where you end because you, you, the first thing that happens is you illuminate yet another metric and then another one, and you find that they're evolving over time. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I think, I think, and that's where if you start being patient centered, kind of understanding what problems you have you're going to solve. There's going to be different tactics to yes, solve you that stay problem. problem focused. You stay problem focused. Yeah, um, absolutely. I, I love what you set up on stage was be married to the problem, yeah. but be flexible on the solutions. 100%. So speaking of data, you you made a great comment 
uh, as we were talking earlier uh, around ROI and and helping your organization make a business case. And you said, you know, if you can't find an ROI, you're not being creative enough. So so tell me your philosophy around building a business case for for digital, for transformation, uh, and how you communicate that with your yeah. organization. Yeah. So we, I mean, w- listen, we always have projects that we need to have an ROI. And I think that, we, you know, we challenge each other. We challenge the teams to say, okay, there is an ROI. The second half of that statement is not ROI. All ROI is not financial. Mm-hmm. And so there could be a, a human ROI. There could be a workflow ROI. There could be a patient experience ROI. You know, how do you quantify those financially? Well, it's a little bit hard. It's a little bit abstract, but you can always go back and push and say, what is the ROI? And if we're not, if we're not finding a financial ROI, I always challenge them to say, can you look deeper? Can you, are you thinking about this problem the same? Are you thinking about it um, from, from all angles and, and aspects when it comes to looking for the financial ROI? But think differently too. So for example, the access measure. So we meet the needs of the patient. They get the appointment they need. There is a financial ROI there, right? They have an appointment, they have services, but there's also this stickiness that becomes. So there's the, you know, the lifetime value of a patient and, and when they become sticky to your system. And so I think that's where you have to really start to think differently about how you measure ROI. It sounds like you're almost saying that um, it's not a spreadsheet exercise, that it's, no, a story, it's, it's a storytelling exercise. Right, right. Right. And if you can, if you can articulate that story and tell that story. Now, this is me as a physician, right? I'm sure every CFO that's listening. I was going to ask you how your CFO at, feels about you know, PowerPoints every, over yeah, Excel. Every, every <laughs> CFO that's listening is like, ah, oh, this guy's full of, he doesn't know what he's talking about. But uh, that's just the family doctor talking. But it's really about, you know, how do you calculate that ROI? And, and, and how do you think differently about, um, the entire aspect and the entire journey. Yeah, I think the title of this podcast is going to be the family doctor and the endocrinologist walk into a bar and, uh, and, and start build... talking about ROI. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, I think we just titled the uh, the episode here. So shifting gears a little bit. Yeah, I mean, your role is transformation for for a health system. One of the things that's top of mind for people is how is this going to impact my workforce? Right. Mm-hmm. So not just your physicians, but your physicians, your nurse, your clinical staff, your administrative staff. How, how do you think about transforming the workforce and preparing people for how how those shifts are going to happen over the coming years? Yeah, so I think it starts, it goes back to, it goes back to what we talked about earlier about really what problems are you trying to solve and how did, you know, if that problem involves somebody working differently or doing different work, let's be clear about that as we're working through the process of designing interventions or designing technologies. And so, you know, there's there's that common we're, we're all rallying around this problem of how of how we do it. Now, one of the things I do think there's been a lot of talk recently in the last few months about generative AI and what's it going to do to workforce. But I think it's, you know, it's scary to a lot of people. But I think that really the conversations that we're having is it's, it's let's embrace it, but let's think about think differently. And so it might be upskilling of 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 our workers. It might be um, that they've done this job mm-hmm. for years, but they're going to do a different job um, you know, in the, in the future and, and think, you know, I, I don't know this exact statistic, but it's that statistic that's out there about 90% of the jobs today didn't exist yeah. 15 years ago right. or whatever it is. Um, you know, it's that kind of thinking that we've got to, don't be afraid of it. Let's embrace it so that we can work differently in healthcare. The EMR is the perfect example, right? We didn't have 
you know, 500 people IT teams before right. we had EMRs, yeah. but now we do. And so it's just about different work. We had different IT folks, but or we had people in IT, but they were doing different things, right? They were deploying landline phones mm-hmm. and fax machines. And, and those people have really converted to to working in the EMR. And so I think it's it's preparing. We We talk a lot about with our analytics team and some of our data architects and others that are that are afraid of cloud, right? We're an on, on-prem mm-hmm. organization, but how, well, what about moving to the cloud? That's going to put me out of a job. It's like, no, we need cloud architects. We need cloud security. This is an opportunity to really think differently. Yeah. Um, and it's the same for physicians. I always challenge physicians and say, when they say, oh, you know, I, I, I can't learn anything new. I always challenge them and say, how many of the medications that you prescribe today were in existence oh, when you yeah. were in medical school or finished residency? Surgeons, how many of the procedures, you know, most of the surgeons, probably not so much today, but many of the surgeons weren't trained on laparoscopic right. you know, procedures, but they learned how to do it. So medicine and, and healthcare is constantly changing. And so we need to challenge ourselves to constantly change as well. Yeah. Can you tell that to the public that, that oh, yeah. their surgeons weren't trained on this? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, Speaking of AI uh, and you being very problem focused, what what are some of the problems that you think about in your world that have been just intractable uh, that you think now as you're seeing uh, the AI capabilities advance where you think, wow, maybe this problem that I felt was intractable a year ago or two years ago, uh, as you look into the crystal ball, what are you excited to be able to start working on over the next few years that that wasn't possible before? Yeah, I think really the, probably the biggest one, and, and you know, if you think about AI and healthcare, a lot of it's been in in that uh, rev cycle space mm-hmm. with 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 billing and coding, and so you know some of those more administrative functions. What I'm really excited about is we've talked about for years and heard for years how much data is in the EMR. And it's all unstructured, right? It's all written in nodes, and so really, how can we help clinicians be clinicians in mm-hmm. terms of we're going to surface the information to you. And then you use your expertise and skills to make a decision versus trying to trying to dig through the chart. So a lot of that, that's what I'm most excited about with generative AI is really that augmenting uh, the clinicians, doctors, nurses, pharmacists, APPs, other providers, really how do we augment their their work um, so that they can be focused on the patient again and, and not on the keyboard and not on some of the other things. That's one. I do think that Healthcare has really lagged behind other industries in that segmentation and personalization. Mm-hmm. And I think that really this AI is going to allow us to do that um, personalization and segmentation in ways that we've never really been able to do it before in healthcare. Right. I yeah, always the clipboard, right? Everyone exactly. gets the same clipboard. Everybody gets the same clipboard. I always laugh and say, you know what? We have one segment in healthcare. <laughs> Everyone. It's called a patient. Yeah. And I think we need to think differently because people people want unique and, and personalized experiences. We get it in every other aspect of our life, except in healthcare. Yeah. And so we've got to change that. And I do think that AI will accelerate that over the next few years. Yeah. I mean, it is weird, right? Like, why should we get more personalization from Amazon than from our doctor? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So what I ask you to reflect, oftentimes, you know, you, you strike me as someone who's you know, very thoughtful about past experiences. Um, any you know, learnings come from failures and challenges, anything that didn't go as you'd hope uh, that you drew learnings from and has inspired you or your team to to think differently going forward. I've got a couple examples that I 
people ask me that question quite frequently. Maybe it's because I have so many failures. I don't know that they, <laughs> that's probably what it relates to. But, you know, I have one, I was asked to lead a program six or eight years ago around the changing how we deliver primary care. And really is about workflow. If you think about it, what we were trying to do is really patient-centered medical home without some of the certifications, rules, and regulations and paperwork. At the end of the day, the program failed. And it, part of the reason it failed is we we didn't go into it. Uh, we went into it with the wrong mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, the biggest one is we didn't have aligned incentives for the physicians mm-hmm. asking them to change. We were asking them to do more value-based care and kind of population help work, but we were still paying them on a work RVU model. And so that makes it sound like it's a financial, it was a financial failure. The leadership lesson that I learned in that is you have to have aligned incentives. And I'm not talking about financial incentives. You have to have aligned incentives when these types of programs. So think about technology that's coming into the, to your last question about how are we asking people to work differently? We have to have aligned values and incentives to get people to work differently. And so that was the leadership lesson that I uh, learned many years along along my journey. Um, you know, the biggest takeaway was if you can create that alignment, alignment and vision, and, and alignment in the strategy and incentives, you can you can have a lot more success. Have you instantiated that in any way from learning that lesson? Uh, is that just something you kind of hold hold in your head or? You have a checklist or like, no, I don't have a instantiated. Yeah, I don't really have a checklist, but it is something that as, you know, some projects are easy, right? Everybody's gung ho. But I always start to think about when maybe a project's going to be really complex or it's maybe not going as well as I think it should be going. Like, okay, what, let's take a step back and think about, are we all aligned? Did we do the work? And to your comment earlier, what I have to tell myself is like we talked about in the beginning. I, I'm I'm here to drive change and transformation in the organization. We like to go fast, right? Mm-hmm. We need to go fast, but sometimes it's that kind of slowing down and being thoughtful and methodical. Go slow to go fast. Exactly. And I have to tell myself, personally tell myself that quite frequently. Yeah, totally makes sense. So one question I like to ask everyone uh, who's on the podcast, maybe because I'm a, I'm a reading junkie, what are your favorite sources of information? What do you do to stay current? Uh, what, what would you recommend as like two or three great sources that you turn to, to to read? I read kind of all the the periodical type things, your you know your your websites and your blogs, your Beckers and and those types of things. You know that's where I get a lot of my my healthcare information. I do a lot of reading outside of healthcare, and so a lot of history and a lot of leadership and a lot of a lot of those types of books mm-hmm. uh, that I love to read, and and I you know try and translate them into my current day to day work. But I'm just an avid reader, so I'm constantly reading anything that comes across my desk. Yeah, well, you're talking to a former American Studies major here, so yeah, yeah. find me the nonfiction shelf and uh, exactly. let me at it. <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. Anything else we didn't cover that uh, that you wanted to share with the audience? I don't think so. I mean, I think that this is, I mean, this is exciting. I do think that we're in exciting times. I know everybody probably says that, you know, with every three to five years that we're in exciting times. I really do think, and I think that while there's a lot of challenges in healthcare, I think it's incumbent upon the people. We talk about disruptors and disruptive innovation and and some of these types of things. I think if we're going to really truly transform and change healthcare, it's going to have to be done from within. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, it's, it's still people taking care of people, whether we do that with the assistant of technology or 
or other modalities, it's still people taking care of people. And I think we have to remember that in healthcare. Yeah. I mean, you said it before, right? Like how how can we use technology to let the doctor turn away from the screen and back exactly. to the patient? Exactly. And how can we make the experience something that people, you know, we're in an industry where 99% of people don't want to be there. So we, we run a 24-7 business. Uh, if you're in a health system, you are always open. Rarely can you turn people away. And 99% of people don't want to be there. Yeah. How do you build great experiences and, and some of these other things in that when that's your construct from a, from a business proposition? Yeah, the tough one. Well, thank you so much for being with us, Patrick. Uh, so many great lessons in there for people. Really, uh, really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate you having me on. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Notable Perspectives. To learn more about today's guest, check out the show notes for this episode. If you have a suggestion for a future guest, please send us an email at perspectives at notablehealth.com. If you enjoyed this conversation, please share it with a colleague or friend. And remember to follow Notable Perspectives on your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. Also, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. I'm your host, Aaron Neinstein. Thanks for listening.